was not your prayer when you entered the building today, I pray that it would be your prayer now. God, come and fill this place. Come and fill this place. And let's take it a step further. God, come and fill these hearts. Come and touch these minds that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we might do those things that are acceptable and pleasing unto you, God. Grant it today, Father. The Bible reads in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul to the church at Rome. And more importantly today, God to the church at Gethsemane. Hear the words of the Lord today. Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, brethren, sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, amen, today, every day, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It must be holy to be acceptable to God. And Paul goes on to say, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, which is your and my reasonable service. It's our reasonable service to present our bodies as living sacrifice. Heavenly Father, as we come before you once again this morning, gosh, what an awesome privilege it is to be in your house. It's always an honor to praise you and glorify you, Lord individually or collectively but there is something special God when your children come together to glorify your great name to pull up under these hallowed grounds to walk in to this building which has been consecrated for the work of the Lord not caring and not worrying about what anybody thinks about our car being in the parking lot open in front of all the world to see that you are our God and that we love you and that we are proud of you and that we are not ashamed of the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something special about that God when we come together Lord collectively to hear your word but more importantly to see you and to feel your presence and to honor you on this beautiful day that you have created for all of us. God, I pray that you would help all of us to present our bodies, our souls, and our minds as, as acceptable gifts to you today. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you're going to do today in this service, for all the things that you're going to do in our lives and have done. Father, we ask all of these things and thank you for them all. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Son of God, the soon returning King, that beautiful rose of Sharon, the Lamb of God. It's in His name we ask these things today, God. And all God's children said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Yep, give him another hand clap of praise as we dismiss our children today and their teachers. Praise God. Man, I love getting together with God's wonderful people. Amen.
And y'all know that song, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people, amen? And that's right. There's nothing like it, is it? I look forward to it every Wednesday and every Sunday. I look forward to it every day. Now, y'all, I'm going to say something that's not, uh, that's not real pleasing to most people, but I do this every day. Amen. I'd love to have church service every day. Amen. And I know what you're saying. You can do that every day by yourself. And I can. And I do. But there's something about doing it right here with you, right? Look at your neighbor and say, I just want to do that with you. Amen. I just want to worship God with you. There's something special about it. Amen. So we've been talking about, if you've missed the past couple of services, let me just give you a real quick update on where we've been. Amen? Well, it started off, I woke up. No, I'm not going that far back. But it started off something like this. We've been talking about praise. Amen? We've been talking about how important it is to praise God. Amen? And the benefits and what takes place once we praise God. Right? We know when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Is that right? So we've been talking about the importance of praise and what praise does, what praise changes, what praise uh, causes this presence of God to do. We've also been talking about a greater pursuit of God, if you've missed a few of our services. Pastor Damien spoke about our pursuit of God should always be to go forward and never to go back, not to turn back, right? Not to have regrets, but to always be positive uh, in our pursuit of God, right? He talked about that. Pastor Keith talked about the fact that we don't need to just be ankle deep with God, but that we need to pursue God, right, and get completely immersed in God, right? So we've been talking about praising. We've been talking about pursuing. And today we're going to talk about presenting. Amen? Is that all right? So we're going to talk about praise, pursue, and present. It's important. All three of these are important. So we want to look at that here today. This is one of the things I think that we miss most of all, at least Mark misses most of all. I can't speak for you, right? Look at your neighbor and say, speak for yourself. But the presenting part is the part that we miss sometimes. So much so that Paul dealt with it quite often. You see it here in the book of Romans when he talked to the Romans here, the church at Rome. He said to them, he besought them. He said, look, I'm begging you. I am, I am asking you with everything in me that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. What was Paul saying? Repent. The first thing he was saying was to repent and to present. Amen. You can't present before you repent. Amen. You got to repent, then present. You can't go in reverse. So Paul says here, I just, he said, I'm just begging you that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. And the only way to be holy is to be repentant and have our lives changed by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We really get excited. And I want you to get excited about presenting today, right? Because it's the most exciting thing you'll ever do in your life. As I sat there yesterday and, and listened to this wonderful marriage ceremony, not only did my mind go back from time to time about my own marriage with my wife of 30 years, amen, but I also was just, just sitting there mesmerized by the beauty of this particular bride, Lauren, as she came down. And, and I couldn't help but to see the excitement in her, in her, in her um, groom's eyes as he was watching her come in. The young man literally broke down in front of all of us there. He was just squalling. And it had us all squalling, right? And it, you looked at him and, and everybody all at one time said, aw. You know how it sounds, right? 
And it was a sweet moment, right? And she was presenting herself to him, and he was presenting himself to her. And it just made me think about how awesome that was and the anticipation of that day. Now, I don't think that they were, I know they weren't because I know these two, and I also could see the love there, right? So it wasn't like one of them was being made to marry the other one. They truly were ready to present themselves to each other. It was a beautiful thing to see. I don't think there was any, any, um, uh, uh, any hindrance whatsoever as they woke up that day thinking, oh my gosh, I got to go marry that woman. You know, or I got to go marry that man. What have I done, right? It wasn't, I didn't see her daddy just, you know, his foot up, get out of the car, you know, none of those things. None of that was happening, right? It was a wonderful thing. And so when you talk about presenting, when you present something to somebody, it is a wonderful thing. You are handing them something. Usually when we talk about presenting, we are presenting a gift. Is that right? Most of the time you say, hey, I got something for you, right? I have something for you. You're going to present it. Now, it ain't always good in this life, but spiritually it should always be good. But most of the time, if you work with me, it's good when you say, I have something that I want to give to you. And most of the time we're not giving it reluctantly. We're giving it out of a willing heart. And the Bible teaches us that it's important. It said God loves a cheerful giver. Is that right? A cheerful giver. Cheerful meaning somebody that gives not begrudgingly, but gives it because they want to out of love, right? They are presenting something to somebody willfully. That's what that word cheerful means. Willfully giving it because they love that person that they are giving it to, okay? So we want to talk about that. But a lot of times when we talk about presenting, especially as it pertains to the Christian walk, we usually get, it's usually given in a negative narrative, right? Because it usually means you've got to give something up. And you do, right? Who could present anything without giving something up? Well, you say, well, the old redneck that sits in the pew that says, hey, I'm giving this money, but I want some change back, right? You with me? Now, if y'all done that today, I'm not, I'm, I, mean, I mean redneck in a good way, right? Don't go back and tell Brother Pat, I want it all back. He just called me redneck. But the point is, when, you use, when you're presenting something, you usually are having to give something up. And it usually makes us nervous, and it usually makes us uncomfortable, but that's not a cheerful giver. If it makes you uncomfortable and makes you nervous and you're really regretting it, right, or there's this, there's this bad feeling on you, are you really cheerfully giving that gift? You're not. I had it said to me this way by an old minister one time. I was, he wasn't directly talking to me, but he was talking to me and everybody else in there when he was talking about the offering. He said, listen, we're going to take up the offering, but if you're going to give your offering, thinking to yourself, I wish I had that back, he said, just get up and go get it and get it back because it's not going to do you any good. Amen? Because you're not giving it out of a cheerful heart. Some people give money to God. When we use, we'll just use God. Some people give money to God thinking, well, he said if I give it to him, he'll multiply it. You might as well take it back. Right? You gave it for the wrong reasons. He said a cheerful giver. Somebody that gives it from a loving heart. It takes me to the woman, with the, 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 the widow woman who had two mites. Right? That's all she had. We don't need to get hung up on the fact that she had two mites. Most of the time we get hung up on the fact that she was poor and she only had two mites. It doesn't matter. She gave all the Bible says, whether it had been two mites or $10 million. I still think she gave it, Brother Ron, because she gave it out of a willing heart. And Jesus said as he sat by the treasury that day watching people drop their money in, he watched the Pharisees that they put in their big money, and he watched this lady give her two mites. And Jesus asked his disciples, he said, which one of them do you think gave the most? And, of course, we know the woman did because she gave from her heart all that she had. 
Jesus said they gave of their extra. She gave of her need, her want, all she had, right? So presenting means that we are giving with a willing heart, a loving heart, and a heart that is not regretting the gift, right? So that's what we want to talk about. Praise is very important. We all get excited about praise. Sometimes, sometimes I can't tell if we got a pulse, right? Myself included. But most of us love to praise. Most of us love pursuing. You pursued your wife or your husband. Brother Joey pursued his wife 44 years ago. Probably earlier than that. I'm not real sure, but you could talk to them. He could tell you. She probably pursued him. I'm not really sure how that went. But the pursuit, yeah, the pursuit is exciting and it's fun and it's good, right? And so we all usually enjoy pursuing, right? If you're a hunter in here, you enjoy pursuing whatever it is you're hunting, right? It's what we enjoy doing. Did you know that God made you to pursue? He made me to pursue, you to pursue. He put, we're all hunters. I ain't no hunter, Pastor. That's nasty. Yeah, you are. You're a hunter. You not, might not be killing them deer out there, but you're killing your husband's heart. Amen, somebody. That was good, y'all. Come on now. Huh? If my wife was here, I got brownie points right there. Amen? Hey, amen. Right? We're all pursuing something, right? I'm pursuing a better career. I'm pursuing a, a, a wife or a husband, right? Whatever, whichever you are. I'm pursuing this, this, and this. We have pursuit in us. We also have praise in us. And we, again, love pursuit and praise. But this present thing bothers us, right? This is the difference, right? This is where the rubber hits the pavement. Because when you got to present, as I said, you got to give something up. I want you to look in the book of Esther here with me today, if you would, chapter 2. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 18. I'm going to give you a real quick synopsis here of the story, and then we'll touch on here in, verse, in chapter 2 in verse 1. Uh, the king here, the, the children of Israel found themselves in bondage like they were many, many times. And King Ahasuerus, as how I say his name, uh, was the king over this particular kingdom that the children of Israel were enslaved to. He had a wife, and her name was Vashti. She was the queen, and she was a beautiful, beautiful woman according to the Bible. And this particular king on this particular day was having a party, and he, uh, he had asked for all of his eunuchs, those servants of his, to come. He wanted to just, just parade them in front of everybody and parade all of his wealth and parade his kingdom before everybody and how awesome he was. And he had a very beautiful wife, so he asked that she come he wanted to show her off in front of everybody too. And of course, she said, I ain't going to do it, right? If you go back and read the story. Because again, she didn't, she didn't want to be called up there just to be paraded around in front of a bunch of people. You ladies know how that is. So the king got upset about it, and the Bible says he put her away. And to the point, we'll fast forward here, that he was done with her, and he wanted a new wife. He wanted a new queen. And so what they did was, is they put out this decree throughout all of his kingdom that the prettiest and, and the most available, beautiful, most beautiful women in the kingdom would all be brought before the king, and then he would choose out of all of them which one would become his queen. Okay, and this is where we pick the story up. So Esther here is a cousin to Mordecai. Mordecai took Esther on to raise when his uncle and aunt passed away. He took her, raised her, and here they are in bondage. So the time come for all the women in the kingdom, including those that were enslaved. The most beautiful women went, and she was one of those that were taken. And Mordecai told her not to reveal what it, who she was and where she came from. So we'll pick this story up in chapter 2 and verse 1. 
After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus subsided, he remembered Vashti, what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Remember, he put her away. Then the king's servants who attended him said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers, in verse 3, in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to Shushan, the citadel, into the women's quarters under the custody of Hegai, the king's eunuch, custodian of the women, and let beauty preparations be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This thing pleased the king, and so he did it. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish. Can I get an amen? A Benjamite. I don't know how I got through that. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jokanah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. Mordecai had brought up Hadashah, that is, Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father or mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And so it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel under the custody of Hegai, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace into the care of Hegai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him, this custodian, and she obtained favor. And somehow all God's children obtained favor. Is that something? So he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. So they were made to take preparations to get ready for this visit with the king, but she was given extra privileges to get ready herself because there was favor found in her. It goes on to say here, Then seven choice maidservants were also provided for her, from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Esther had not revealed her, pe revealed her people or her family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. Every day, Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. In verse 12, each young woman's turn came to go in to King ah Ahasuerus after she had completed 12 months preparation according to the regulations of, for the women. For thus were the days of their preparation appointed, six months with oil and myrrh, six months with perfumes and preparation for beautifying women. I want you to understand that this preparation took some time. Amen? This preparation took some effort. There was a lot that went into the preparation prior to her visit with the king. Amen? Thus prepared each young woman, in verse 13, that went to the king. And she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women, to the custody of Shazgaz, that sounds great, the king's eunuch, who kept the concubines. She would not go in to the king again unless the king delighted in her and called her by name. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Ab Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. 
So Esther, in verse 16, was taken to King Ahasuerus into the royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of the king. Amen? Amen. Made it through all them words. Isn't that awesome? I thought, my gosh, i got to go back and get a degree so I can read that. So what you see here, again, was this particular young servant, young lady who was in bondage. And she was chosen to go and present herself to the king. And before she could go and present herself to the king, she had to go through a, a, a regiment of preparation. It had to take place before she could ever step in front of him. Had she stepped in front of the king and not went through the preparation that was decreed that she would have to go through, then she would not be presentable to the king and he would not choose her. In fact, it could cost her her life to stand before the king in, 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 her, in anything less than her best. Amen? That's what could have happened to her. So she goes through this process, and then we see that she is presented before the king, and he chooses her and places this crown on her head and sets her in his kingdom. Presentation means everything. Amen? Presentation means everything. In fact, it's been said this way, and you've heard me say it many times. If we fail to prepare, we prepare to fail. Amen? Preparation's everything in anything that you do in life. If you go at it, at whatever you're going at, if you go at it half-heartedly, failure is imminent. Either failure is imminent or just a mundane lifestyle. Amen? Status quo. But see, God's children aren't status quo people. Remember, it says she found favor before she ever did anything. God's children, if you are here today and you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are not just status quo. Although you may feel that way, and that's just Satan telling you that you are not worthy, right? Although the world may be telling you that as a Christian today, that is status quo, that it is old news. Who can believe in such junk as that anymore, right? It's just a, it's just a fairy tale. It was a song I wanted Nate to sing today, but he wasn't able to get to it because he had a busy week. But it talks about the very fact that all of us talk to God, right? And there was a man in this story that the song that I wanted him to sing was sitting beside a booth of a fellow who was praying, and he gets up and he tells him, he says, hey, I don't want to interrupt your prayer, but I don't want you to waste your breath. Don't you know God's just a myth? I don't want you to waste your breath on some ghost, right? And the man said, amen. And then he looked at him and he said, look, everybody talks to God. Whether you're talking to him besides at the cemetery of a loved one and you're saying, why did you take him so soon? Or whether you're cursing him because this happened or that happened or whether you're just saying thank you for whatever. Everybody talks to God. And then he looked at him and said, eventually, you're going to talk to God. Everybody's going to talk to God. And the man walked out and he said, little did he know, two red lights down, the man would have his opportunity to talk to God. Killed in a car accident. Amen? Status quo says... That's old stuff. You know, that's just a, a myth. I don't believe that because scientifically I can't prove it. 
scientifically, we can't prove a lot of things. If he was God, right? If you could, if you could prove, you could do all these things. If you could figure God out, would he be God? No, we bring him down to our level. You ain't going to bring God down to your level. You got to step up to his. Amen? We got to step up to his. There's preparation. There's things that have to be put into place. There's stuff that we have to do to present ourselves acceptable unto God. Right? Acceptable. See, the days of just, if, of just, just coming into the palace, work with me, the days of just coming into the church, right? Being back here at the back. Let me get back there. I'm a little old. The days of, the days of us just coming into the church, right, and walking in and just haphazardly presenting ourselves to God and expecting God to move or to show up in our lives, expecting God to answer questions or answer prayers, expecting God, right, to save us. When we half-heartedly come, we're not really prepared to praise and we haven't been pursuing, right? So we haphazardly come in and expect the king to just stop what he's doing, right, and focus on us when we're not even prepared. We have entered into the palace unprepared. Had Esther done that, she would have been ushered out of the kingdom, ushered out of the palace. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready. We have to understand what we are doing. Listen. Understand today, every one of us, just look at me. I said that Wednesday night. Just, I ain't much to look at, I know. But look at me. There's enough of me to see. This is, I want you to really understand. God's really God. And Jesus really is. The King of kings. And the Lord of lords. Jesus really is king over all kingdoms. You know what I'm saying? King Charles is not king over Jesus. Right? Queen Vashti was not queen over Jesus. You with me? None of these kings that you and I know of, we can accept earthly kings, but we can't accept heavenly kings. You with me? Man, when the royal family walks by, if you go to, people are flocking into London to see a, just a glimpse of that king or that queen or that prince or that princess. People pay good money to go over there and stand outside the gates with just hoping that they hear Prince Charles say, Hello. <laughs> Best I got. <laughs> Paying big money for that to happen. I mean, just falling, melting in front of Prince Charles. Have y'all saw Charles? I love him. I love him. But he's like me. We both got in the wrong line. Right? But they just, they just melt in front of them. But yet we come into God's palace, and at his presence, we mock and we laugh. Amen? And we walk away. Right? We do all those things. I want you to know that he is king. And when we come, we should present ourselves acceptable to God. Reverence him. Be ready to talk to the king. Think about that. If this was your one day and your only day to talk to the king, how would you have come in here? If you knew today, I'm going to say what preachers say, if you knew today that this was your last day, come on somebody, say amen, that's what preachers say, if you knew this was your day, was your last day, praise God. So I want y'all to go home and say, I heard somebody preach today. He said that. 
If you knew this was your last day, and you knew you had an opportunity to talk to the king, how would you have prepared? Would you have just come in here and said, well, I guess if they give an altar call, I'll, I'll just take my chances. Right? What, how many of us would not have put on our best clothes today? I'm not saying what you got on such your best clothes. <laughs> this is not my best clothes either. How many of us would have not put on our best clothes? How many of us would have not made sure everything was in order before we came in here? Let me put it to you this way. If somehow I could tell you that Jesus himself at 1045 was going to walk in that door. And he was going to come and he was going to sit right here on this stage. He's going to pull this chair up and he was going to sit right here. Kind of like this. That's kind of envision Jesus. Y'all envision him how you want to. I can envision him sitting here and just looking out there and saying, okay, what can I do for you? Right? Now, if I told you that, how do you think your day would have been different? How would it have been different? I'm just asking a question. Well, he ain't here, preacher, so that's a kind of a crazy... Yes, he is. Amen? Amen. Jesus is everywhere. He's here. So our preparation is everything. It's all about the preparation. Look at the time spent. Six months that she bathed in myrrh. Six months. Six months. Some of us don't get bass much in six months. Six months she bathed in myrrh till her skin was silky smooth and then when she burped, she smelled like myrrh. <laughs> Y'all have been around folks that take garlic pills? Works great, but it ain't good for the other person on the other end. But she smelled like myrrh. And she looked, she was silky smooth and touch, easy to the touch, easy to the eyes, easy to the smell. Imagine, you talk about ladies, a hairdo. This woman had a hairdo. I mean, she got it did. You hear me? I mean, you think about the, ha- you think about the time spent on this woman's hair just to approach the king. Right? Imagine everything she went through. Then she had six months here with different perfumes. So the myrrh was was intended to get into her pores, get into her body, right? And infiltrate her body that when she sweated, she smelled like it, right? All those things that she did, she smelled like it. And then on the outside, she smelled like these different perfumes. This woman smelled like Mary Kay had a a baby. (laughs) Amen? She She had it going on. And so you got to know that when the king was sitting there in his palace, right, the time spent, remember now, she did it six months, six months of myrrh, six months of perfume, and remember, she had extra as if she needed extra, extra. So when she walked in, the king's sitting here like this, and you got to know that just like Adam, the first time he saw Eve, the man was lonely. He's used to looking at lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And so the king's sitting there going, next, 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 right? Been there, done that, seen that. And then when she walked in the door, man, he, huh? You know what I'm talking about? He got up. 
As if to say, lock the door. Don't let that woman out of here. Right? And just like Adam, when Adam saw Eve, I'm telling y'all, we see that picture where we think, well, Adam, God created Eve for Adam, and, and then that was it. You know, No, no, no. Man, when he come out of that trance, he saw her. I mean, he was in a deep sleep. And when he woke up, he saw Eve. And he said, whoa, man. Huh? That's how y'all got y'all's name, woman. Just kidding. That is not biblical, that's Mark. But I mean, it got his attention. Look, this ain't Esther from Sanford, son. <laughs> y'all ain't coming back never again. This is Esther from <laughs> This is Esther from the Bible. Amen. You with me? This woman was this woman here was tight and right. Amen. She walked in the room and she immediately got the attention of the king. See, usually the woman, the person presenting themselves, right? We're we're trying to get some attention here. And we're trying to move the heart of somebody. But the king here, right, when he saw her, he just lost all of his royalty. He didn't give a rip about nothing else other than making sure this woman didn't get out of there. Amen? Can you imagine? Move the heart of the king. She moved the heart of the king. This guy had every woman in the, in the kingdom at his disposal. But one woman moved his heart. Why? Because she was prepared. She knew she had one shot to change his life and to change the lives of her people. Amen? She went at it with all of her heart, prepared. Let's look at this today. When you think about this, prep, this pre presenting in the preparation time, being prepared to present ourselves, the first thing you notice in this story was that she accepted the call. Amen? There was a call, a decree given by the king that everyone would come. Every one of these women would come. She accepted the call. That's the first step in presenting ourselves to the king. Because if you never present yourself to be, called, to, to, to be presented, then you can't present yourself. you got to accept the call. So the call came out from the king that I want every, every virgin woman that is in the kingdom to prepare themselves and come. And so she heard the decree, she heard the call, and she accepted the call. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14, the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. Chosen meaning only a handful, it appears, accept the call. Because in order to be chosen, you've got to accept the call. Amen? That's why the Bible says, see, some scholars and some preachers and some teachers will twist that scripture and say, well, there's many called, but now there's only a few chosen, so you better get on board while you can. You ain't going to take but a few. That's not so. The Bible says he died for everybody. Amen. Amen. So all are called, many called, but only a few are chosen. Again, chosen because they got to accept the invitation to be chosen. But in this, in this invitation... Your, your choosing is guaranteed, amen, by the king himself, if you're prepared, amen, with Jesus. So the first step in preparation is to accept the call. Do you want to? Are you willing to do what you've got to do 
to stand before the king. Amen? Amen. Call goes out, come. Then we have a decision. Am I willing to go through the process in order to stand before the king? Am I willing? Amen? She had to, she, she had to run that by her mind. See, this wasn't a decision that Mordecai could make for her. It wasn't a decision that her mom or daddy could make for him. It was not a decision that grandma or granddaddy could make. It wasn't a decision that her minister could make or anybody else could make. This, this, the invitation was from the king to her. And so the only reply that he would answer is hers. Amen? Not Mordecai's, not anybody else's. It was her choice. Her choice whether to present herself or not. So our first thing is to accept the call. Secondly, if we accept the call, then we have to listen intently to the direction and be willing to carry it out. Right? So the king said, come. She said, I'm willing to go. I accept the call. Now there's direction that comes. Right? Well, if you're willing to come, if you're really willing to put in what it takes to stand before the king, here's what you got to do. Right? Here's what's in front of you. Here's what has to take place. That's what was faced with her next. Good, right? See, some people think when the king chooses you that there's nothing else to it, right? That you hear this all the time in Christian churches. Just believe. Just believe. Yeah, you got to believe, but you also got to accept and repent. Amen? It's not enough just to believe. Amen? You've got to accept what it is that's being handed to you and repent of anything that we're doing outside the direction that's given. Right? So here she was. She's accepted the call. And now she's getting direction, right, from the king's handlers. You go to this room, and here's what you do every day. You go to this, 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 and this. And when you get done with that, you go over here, here, and here. Right? And we're going we're gonna to cleanse and purify you that you are presentable to the king. That's what it was all about. Making sure that she was cleansed from the world outside of the kingdom that she could now be presented to, to the king. Now you've got to understand what was going on in that day. Where they lived especially in bondage, they didn't have these plush recliners like we got. Right? They didn't live in nice houses and all these things like you and I do. They walked on dirt. Right? Or mud or whatever was there. And the cattle used the same roads that they used. Right? That's why traditional tradition, Jewish tradition is that you wash people's feet when they come to your house. Right? Because you cleanse their feet, take all that off. Right? It's a show of, it's a show of gratitude and welcome in somebody's home. You've got to get all that earthly stuff off before they get in so they don't track up your house. Right? So she was in this area, right? And all the smells of the livestock, all the smells of the fire burning, all the smells of the stench and the dirt and all that, right? These people weren't taken care of like you and I are taken care of. It was rough. So in order to stand before the king, she had to get all that off of her. So in order to do that, she had to listen to sound direction and carry it out just as it was, understanding that had she not, it could cost her her opportunity, but also cost her her life. When you look at this story, the next thing that we talk about is, and we've been talking about since the beginning here, is the preparation for the encounter. The preparation for the encounter. In her mind the whole time, there was nothing else on her mind. Right? She knew that she was going to leave her family 
And now she's in this palace of Shushan, the citadel. There she is. She's listening to the direction given to her, and she's doing her best to get herself ready for this one-time encounter. Doing her best. All in. How many, of us would, how many of you would agree with me that we don't always go all in with Jesus? Right? We just think that it's okay to present a sacrifice to Him that is not 100%. A lot of times, I, can, I find myself in the past and even now, presenting myself to God, but it's not really a wholehearted presentation. Right? I haven't, I haven't really done all I know to do, like the Bible teaches me to do. We come in and we present these gifts to Jesus as leftovers. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say leftovers. Now, leftovers ain't too bad sometimes, and most of the time it ain't good as it was the first time. Because it's been picked through, it's been, it's been mulled over, right? It's, it's been touched, it's got germs on it, it's got whatever. It's not, it's not pure as it was when it first came off, right? It's not as hot. The Bible says that the effectual fervent heat, fire, passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our sacrifices should be passionate, fiery, purified. Amen? And they should be the very best that we have when we stand before God. This is why I've been telling you that praise has to be from the heart. Praise can't be from a leader saying, raise your hands. Praise can't be saying, all right, now everybody run around the church, right? Praise can't be orchestrated. Praise has to come from within out. Amen? It has to be, it has to be 100% given from the heart of an individual. And our preparation has to be the same when we're trying to encounter the king. We all want God's presence, but are we really doing what we should do to get him to come? Right? You see what I'm saying? He was told that these women went through everything they should in order for you to see him. So he had some excitement and anticipation knowing that these women did what they're supposed to do. But he wasn't fooled. He knew those who had done what they were supposed to do. He could tell. And when he looked at this lady and smelt her, he knew that she went above and beyond and truly cared about the encounter. How much do you think God knows how serious we are about the encounter? Right? You with me? We're giving leftover sacrifices to a God who don't like leftovers. He said, I am a jealous God. Have no other gods before me. What that says is, I want it all or nothing. I want the first fruits. That's why God said that all through the Bible when he talks about tithing and offering and all those things. What did he say? Give God first. Right? The best. Number one. So, this preparation or this presenting that we're talking about comes with great presentation for the encounter, understanding we got one shot. Now, with God, we know that we got more than one shot. And I think sometimes, as human beings, we take that for granted. Well, if I don't give my best today, God will let me, I can see the king tomorrow. Right? Well, if I don't give my best tomorrow, he'll be there for me next week. And that's true. God loves us. And we only have that because Jesus loves us. If Jesus hadn't died for us, that wouldn't be the case. Right? If we present ourselves to God outside of His plan, we would have not made it today. Only because of Jesus have we now got satisfied with leftovers. But we shouldn't be that way because He still requires the best. 
right? But because of mercy, we've taken advantage of that. And we don't present ourselves. Well, God hadn't killed me yet, Jesus. I'm not sick yet, Jesus. Right? Things you read about in the Bible. If I don't do this, it's going to happen. Well, it hadn't happened, Jesus. Right? That's all it is. Mercy. Because we live under grace. But he still requires the best. And we are living beneath the blessings of God, church, because we're not presenting our best. Amen? We are getting what we give. You with me? If you give $1.99 for some king ransom meal, you're going to get the dollar menu nuggets. He's still going to feed you because he said that he lets it rain on the just and the unjust alike. But it ain't going to be the feast that you're looking for. You can't give God $1.99 and expect to have the best. In the world we live today, that's what we want. Everybody wants that, right? I want, I want the Lamborghini on Pinto money. <laughs> Amen? Isn't that right? I'm giving everything I got. Why can't I have a Lamborghini? Because you didn't work for it. Right? You can have a Lamborghini if you work for it, right? If nobody knows that in this country we know that, even as terrible as the country is today, you can still work and get what you want. You just got to put in the work, right? You got to prepare for it. You got to be ready for it, right? Quit waiting on somebody to do it for you, right? We can't wait on somebody to stick money in our hand when we ain't working and expect to have the best, right? Why can't I have the Taj Mahal? Because you ain't working for the Taj Mahal. Why do we do anything different with God? All we got, we say, I just bless, I ain't got nothing, I just pour. All those things, right? And I just ain't this and I just ain't that. How are we presenting our, our gift to God, right? We're asking God, Lord, I gave out $2 this morning all for plate. Now you know, isn't that right? <laughs> Lord, I need another house. These roaches have carried everything off. Is that right? <laughs> Look, I know what I'm talking about. I lived in a house when I was a kid. We turned the lights on. Them things went, whoo. That ain't no lie. That's the truth. Right? My point is, right, we're, we're begging God for the best, but we're giving him second best, third best, nothing. Right? And I'm not just talking about your money. Look, I'm not up here to preach to you about money. I mean, I, I bet I ain't preached on tithing this church three times. I probably ain't preached on tithing five times in all the time I've been preaching. I don't preach that unless something God lays it on my heart. I've had people say, you need to preach on that. Well, if you're God, I will, right? But if I don't hear God tell me that, I ain't preaching on it. Amen? You with me? You with me? Yeah. But my point is, you can rob God in tithes and offering. That's why he threw an offering in there. Not just your tithes, but in your offering. Offering of yourself, offering of your money, offering of your prayers, offering of your worship. Come on, somebody. You can rob God in all them things. See what I'm saying? And we're robbing God of the praise he deserves in all those things. And we want to get up here and cry and snot and snort about how God ain't taking care of us when we ain't giving the time to God. We're not prepared. Look, I'm doing my best to tell you that Esther went before the king, nothing, no stone unturned. 
Man, when she walked in there, I mean, I mean, you couldn't, you can't describe what this woman looked like according to what we read. Perfect, as much as perfect can be in this life, changed his heart, caused him to move, caused him to place a crown on her head and caused a celebration to happen. Look, we got to present ourselves as candidates to the king. Accept the call, right? Do that. It's important to accept it when he's calling you. Quit sitting back saying, I'll do it next week. I don't believe in that. All these things. Accept the call. Listen intently to the direction that he gives us. Amen? Listen intently to the direction he gives us. See, this is the preparation and you and I are Esther's. And he said, I'm calling you to a great feast. And I'm going to give you the direction that you need to prepare that you are acceptable to the king. Right? And if you are acceptable to the king, he then says, I'm going to present you as worthy. Amen? Is that not what God's been saying to us from the very beginning of time? I have a great feast that's coming. I don't care how many times you've heard it. I don't care how many times you've read about it. That's not an excuse to say I don't believe it because it ain't happened yet. It's still the truth whether we believe it or not. Amen? There is a feast coming. I would much rather take my chances and believe in that there is one coming, right, and be prepared than not be prepared and one really be there. Amen? Right? For what's it going to cost you? Nothing but good living. Amen? But I got news for you. It's really there. And if you'll really do it the way this says, you will encounter the king before the feast. Amen? She prepared greatly and encountered the king before the feast ever happened. Is that right? And then so when she, was, she came, she was ready. He accepted her gift and did what? Placed a, king, a crown on her head. What does the Bible say that's going to happen to all God's children? Right? There's, Paul said it this way. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me what? A crown of righteousness. And he went on to say, not just for me, but to all. Amen? Everybody that does that same thing. You, you with me? You're tracking. That's what it's all about. Right? Then what you'll hear is exactly what she heard. Well done. Right? Well done. I see the preparation and I smell the beautiful rose of Sharon on you. Amen? You with me? See the king. <laughs> oh boy, y'all did not get that. Listen. The king sat right here when them doors opened. The aroma filled the palace. The aroma got to him before she did. And what did it say? This lady has been with those that prepared, right? This lady has done what I've asked her to do, right? When you and I get to heaven, when you encounter the King Jesus, he is known as the beautiful rose of Sharon in the Bible. And the beautiful rose of Sharon has a 
beautiful aroma. A rose has a beautiful aroma. Not only is it good to look at, but it smells wonderful. It has a fragrance that will fill the entire room if you bring them in here. Right? So long before you and I ever stand before God, the aroma of the beautiful rose of Sharon is exuding from you and I. Amen? Long before we get there. Not the sin that was in your life. Not the flesh, because we know this is sinful. But what he knows is you have been bathed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen? You have went through the preparation to get to him. Come on now. Huh? And he smells the fragrance of his son. And then he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Let me read that in Matthew 25 and 21. Well done, thy good and faithful servant, Jesus told them. This is what they would hear. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Those words will only be heard from those who have prepared properly. Those who have given 100% of their selves and their time to God. I'm going to help you now. 100% means all. Everything. Everything. Esther forsook everything. Walked away from everything. Everything she had, she walked away and gave herself into the king's hands and entrusted those people to do what they needed to do to make sure that she was presentable. I'm going to give you this, and this hurts me, and I said it a minute ago, but I'm going to say it one more time because I've done this, been there. Some of you may be there today. We don't really, we're not really giving all, right? It hurts us to give all. We hold on. We hold on to different little sins that we're enjoying, and we say things like we heard in the video this morning, God understands my heart. God knows me. He does. Right? God knows these things, right? And, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to eventually get to it, right? Or whatever it is. Or Lord, you know, most of my heart's to you, but I have this one thing that I enjoy too. You can't do that. He, he wants your whole heart. He wanted Esther's whole heart. The king did. And he requires it, Right? We want his whole heart. I will assure you today, whether you believe in Jesus or not, when you stand in front of him one day, he's going to require your whole heart. If he has not been given your whole heart, you won't hear these words. Esther would not have heard, oh boy, well done. She would not have received a crown that day. She would not have been elevated and there would not have been a feast for Esther. Just like us, we're not going to make it into the feast without us being 100% sold out to Jesus. Sold out to God. What he'll say is, I never knew you. What that really says is, of course he knows you. God made you. Of course he knows who you are. 
What he's saying is, I didn't have a relationship with you. Let me break it down a little further. Of course he knows you. Of course he probably had a little relationship with you. But what he's saying is, I didn't have an entire relationship. 44 years, right here, sold out. This is her husband and this is your wife. All in. Amen? I don't think you go to Brother Joey's house and see his girlfriend in there with him. I don't think you go there and see Sister Jeannie's got a boyfriend in there in another room and everything's great. Her whole heart, if you don't know Brother Joey and Sister Jeannie, belongs to that man right there. And his whole heart belongs to her. If you've been around him, you know what I'm saying. Right? He burps, she says amen. Right? They move as one. True. I mean, maybe not that. But, but they move as one. All in. Because she's all in, he's all in. And vice versa. Same with God. If we're all in, he's all in. Right? All in. See, I'm, I'm doing my best to close here, but you, we can't get to that heavenly place and stand there and say, well, Lord, or if he was to say something like this, if he was to say to you, I know your works, Mark, and your labor and your patience, I know, I know you've worked hard. I know you've done some things. So I, I see that your heart's somewhat towards me. And how you cannot bear them which are evil. How you've tried them which say they're not apostles. And they really aren't. And how you found them as liars. And how you've borne, meaning how you've, you've worked, how you've really put in this work. And you've got patience. He said, I, I, I see that. I know that. You did all that for my name's sake. You've labored and you haven't fainted. Right? So he sees some of the things we've done, but what he sees is a partial work not completed. He said, I've seen you do all those things, so are we going to hear Jesus say, well done, thy partial good servant. Enter into this portion of heaven. I mean, it's not the best, Brother Ron. You know, it's not the penthouse. But it's also not the poverty room. So you've done some pretty good things. So we're going to give you the twin bed and a half bath. Right? You don't even have complimentary breakfast. That's on you. But don't worry, we have a buffet. you got to pay for it, though. Right? That's kind of our minds we're thinking. I, I guess I'll just, I may not have the best, but at least I'll be in heaven. Right? It doesn't work like that, right? You can't. So Jesus says, look, I, I've seen all this that you've done. So yeah, I see some partial surrender. I see you went through most of the preparation. But he says this, nevertheless, I have something against you. You left your first love. He said, remember therefore from whence you have fallen and repent. Do your first works or I'll come unto thee quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place except you repent. You wasn't sold out 100%. This is the church at Ephesus he's talking to. He said, you guys, I see the partial surrender. I see the partial sacrifice, but it's not what I want. It's not all of you, right? 
I really am going to close. But listen, the career that you're holding on to that's causing you to sin against God, that you're drinking and partying and sleeping with other women or men or whatever it may be, all in the name of trying to move up the ladder, that's going to keep you out of heaven. I don't care who you are. You can't convince me that you can give a 100% sacrifice to God and hold on to that. If you're here today, right, and, and there's anything biblically, right, I know, and look, I know we're, none of us are perfect. Because I know some of y'all sit and say, well, you ain't perfect either, you old, you know. I'm not. As Paul 